Hey everybody, do you have a trailer sitting around that only gets used a few times a year for track events or chores or home center runs or whatever? You can rent out your open, enclosed car hauler, dump trailer, travel trailer, etc. when you're not using it on tolos.com, T-O-W-L-O-S.com. If you currently street drive your track, autocross, or drift car to events and need a trailer to travel further, make sure to check out tolos.com, find car hauler trailers available near you. They're building up their inventory. And uh, maybe you can add to it or use it. Don't feel the need to purchase a $5,000 or more trailer when you can rent one for $100 a day or less on Tolos. Let your trailer collect money, not dust. Tolos is an online trailer sharing marketplace. Stoked to help build that marketplace and uh, maybe you can contribute or use a trailer soon. All right, we're back with another uh, segment of Why Is My Life So Hard with Adam Jubay and Rob Fields. Adam, what you got for today? Loose nuts sucked, man. We talked about it in a previous one. Uh, to know, you got to know your car and you know know why you know know what might be the problem on a racetrack. You know, like what does it need? Um, and in every drivers' meeting, I talk about over torquing your front wheel drive Honda axle bolts, and everybody's like, "Okay, uh, yeah, I guess maybe I should do that if Adam says so." Um, and the reason I talk about it is because. There was, at one point on Honda Dash Tech, the forum, there was like a 50-page thread about it in the road racing section. And everybody was like, what wheel bearings should I use? What wheel bearings should I use? I keep killing wheel bearings. Wheel bearings are constantly dying. Um, And it turned out that on most of the, like, 88 to 2,000 Hondas, when you just put, like, instead of, like, the 90 or whatever foot-pounds or 105, you just, like, get out the breaker bar and just put it all at it, like, probably 300. That it just doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, like just don't don't go to spec. Sometimes we talked about that with the GR Corolla uh, oil drain plug. Spec sometimes spec's not good enough. So spec um, doesn't always yeah. uh, fully describe your use case. No, your use case might be outside the design parameters. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, and yeah. I think some sometimes some of that can come from folks not um, not necessarily having a, a good sense of. Um, how how some of those systems function, right? So if, if the sure. concept of bearing preload is is foreign to you, the the thought of why it's important to to over torque that might not ever kind of come to you. And having you know the voice of experience come through at the drivers meeting or or wherever uh, makes a big difference for folks. Yeah, and like it, it, sometimes it's just literally just metallurgy or you know torque to yield problems or just maybe your torque wrench sucks and like 113 is actually 68. And if you do it to 300, <laughs> maybe it's going to be fine, but it's, yeah, it's, it's literally personal experience. Put all the torque at that specific nut. And uh, then you just don't have wheel bearing problems. You also got to use a good wheel bearing. You can't just use the, the $28, you know, uh, a one auto wheel bearing or whatever. You gotta, you gotta use a Koyo or a Timken or whatever the best brand for your particular car is. Um, Good bearings and lots of torque uh, sometimes saves your day. So what, what's the most egregious example of uh, maybe a, a nut not being torqued properly and a, maybe a wheel falling off or something like that? What memory do you have? I, mean, I got a few of them. Rob, do you have any? <laughs> no, the, um, I, I do. Uh, I have a kind of a, a unique example from um, a circle track car where um, the um, – they were they were trying really hard to get to effectively a um, a perfect uh, preload, um, and so they had put a spacer inside the bearing so that you would mm. clamp it down to like the exact perfect spacing where you'd have virtually zero rolling resistance, but enough yeah. preload that the bearing would need itself. Uh, but they missed this, a little yeah, this, bit. <laughs> this bearing probably, if you. If you, it's sort of like a trailer hub. Uh, if you over torque it, it tightens the bearing up. I would assume. It's not. Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And so, um, so they, they were they were a little bit off. The spacer was a little oversized, and so they had in, they had accidentally introduced free play into the bearing by doing this. Oh. Um, and um, sure enough, their uh, their rolling resistance got real high when the uh, when the when the wheel bearing failed. Man, but, that's um, a problem. You gotta have that bearing. <laughs> And have all those parts, man. Yeah the the left the left turning car turned right involuntarily, but it's usually um, not the way you want to go either. No, no, those situations not the ideal. But yeah. Yeah, there's um, something up there no, to stop the, you. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah, oh, plenty. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, 
No, that's the that's the one that comes to mind for me. Yeah, the when it, when somebody leaves the grid, uh, the hot pits, and enters the racetrack, and immediately starts tripoding because they didn't torque the wheels. That's a thing. We've seen that. We've seen it probably half a dozen times in drift over the last ten years. We've seen it two or three times in GLTC. Um, we've seen it two or three times in DE across all the events, actually less in DE than you'd expect. You'd expect more DE drivers to forget to torque their wheels. Um, but no, actually not. Um, I'm not going to put them on competition. Blast, but there was definitely a GLTC driver that didn't torque the wheels. There was America. definitely one that did that. Um, that was not fun for him. Um, but uh, you can rate and review his podcast on Spotify. So. <laughs> oh, brutal. And, uh, yeah, the, uh, as far as the, the front wheel bearings on Hondas, the one last thing that I'll, I'll, I'll tell people is I usually use a paint marker or I, or I like, you know, axles have this little slot and you're supposed to stake the axle nut like down into the slot. Uh, I'll do it real distinctly to where I can tell if I have to move it. And I check the torque when it's cold. And if I can start adding torque, I should never be able to start adding more distance on that, on that nut. Uh, and sometimes I'll put, I'll do both. I'll, I'll stake it and then also paint marker it. And uh, you might get a couple more sessions out of them. If, uh, if you start having to add uh, torque to it, to get it back to where you had it before, but usually that means a failing bearing. Um, and uh, yeah, that's a failing bearing is a problem. So Absolutely. What, um, just curious, do you, do you know off the top of your head, it, like what type of thread size we're, we're talking for the, um, the, the axle nut for that? Pretty, I mean, it's pretty strong. It's like grade eight, grade eight nut. And I don't know the thread pitch and stuff, but it's about a, about a seven eighths inch, uh, inside diameter of the nut kind of thing. 32 and 36 mil. Bolts. Okay. So it's probably like an M24 or an M26 type of thread. Yeah, pitch, and, and those are, those are going to go up into the the several hundreds of foot pounds just just to get them tight, you know. Yeah, yeah. Usually I mean, the spec that's what like the spec is just not enough from the factory. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah you whack that thing with a big Milwaukee and it might be fine, but uh, most people just don't. They just don't put enough torque at them, and it's it's mm-hmm. a, it's pretty it's a pretty shallow pitch. Too. It's not like a steep course pitch. You're not getting a ton of distance out of every turn, um, so. Got to put yeah, some torque no. that thing, man. Absolutely, no. I'm just. I can. I can imagine someone listening to this and going, "Well, the, the spec is a spec for a reason, and you're going to stretch the threads, or you're going to whatever." But at that size, I mean, it's, no. You, you, I, I've you never seen anybody get, like. Yeah. I've never seen anybody break the end of the axle off. Uh, and if they have, <laughs> like, if they have, if they have, like, that's a really cheap, porous casting on the axle. So, um, but yeah, everybody asks me like, "What do you talk about that in the drivers' meetings for?" But. Um, all the all the old Honda people they know it, and there's a reason. I used to have a lot of failed bearings. People were like, I just lost a bearing. You, anybody, you know anybody with these spindles? Where can I buy bearings? You know, got the tools. Who's got a press? Uh, it's a job to take apart a front wheel drive. You know, like front spindle. Absolutely. It's a pain. You got to have like the right size stuff, or you just got to beat on it and grind on it and ruin things. So, absolutely, yeah. that is. I, I will say the um, the relatively modern prevalence of the Bolton cassette style bearings pretty over nice. the press in real nice <laughs> real pretty nice pretty nice a lot easier to maintain to maintain and a lot easier to have spares and you can swap them between rounds if you have to yeah absolutely anyway, i think we did another one that that, uh, that concludes why is my life so hard thanks everybody uh, and enjoy the show Oh, that was a great way to start a podcast. Abe sits down. Oh, this is man. the name of the podcast. Oh man, <laughs> I uh, I think I closed all my rings today. What does that mean? I my Apple Watch says I walked enough. Closed all your rings. Yeah, I, I don't get in a ring. I don't get the meaning of that. Someone who has an Apple Watch will get well, that. Yeah, I'm a big fan of mechanical bullshit now. Yeah, well, F a smartwatch. Uh, we <laughs> we're sitting in my RV. Yeah, it's Saturday night, Haven't and I am not intoxicated, no. and I, neither are you, actually. I'm not. It's um, maybe, I, I, maybe I, that'll change. I had a sip of whiskey, and then I had a steak, and now I don't have any buzz anymore. <laughs> and I cleaned up a dino, and I sweated bullets. Um, uh, yeah, this was a really—I don't want to say challenging weekend. It wasn't challenging for me. It was challenging for a lot of GLTZ competitors. For three, I think two. Uh, yeah, three. Math is hard, and, you know, roll them dice, baby. <laughs> <laughs> roll them dice. It, it it does seem like cars on the dyno 
We also haven't introduced our our guest. Guest. This is um, Ryan Dunham. Hello. Hi, Ryan. Who started this year as a volunteer in timing, and I think is now like. Part. He's also driven with us a bunch. Yes. Yeah. Well, I didn't know him very well then. Yeah. Broke his car at NCM last year and asked me if I could tow him on the dyno. And I was like, I cannot. The no. dyno can't actually not tow a car. And That's I a shame. Ba- I felt bad about it. Yeah. Is that because it's just too much weight? Uh, the dyno's just not built for it. Yeah. Um, if you look at the structure of the dyno trailer, um, the tongue, that like the triangle that goes forward to the hitch, just, just not very good. It's fine. Wasn't it also rusty? Uh, yes. Also, this is before I... So we got it like the week before at AMP. <laughs> And I towed it to NCM, and I hadn't really looked at it. But I did notice that one of the main supports that, like, holds the ramp in the back had filled with water and exploded. Like, it had a big old crack. Like, a piece of steel tube was, like, burst out, like, 50% and turned into a round tube instead of a square tube. And it cracked along a seam. Um, still haven't fixed that because it's fine. I just haven't put a car in it either. But the tongue is the main thing now. It's like two pieces of two by four steel that come off the hitch at an at a triangle, and then they they're welded in like two little one inch lines where they touch the main body, <clears throat> and then there's like two kickers that just go straight up, and that's it. It's fine. I just don't want to put a car in. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not the best. So this year Ryan started out as a volunteer for Grid Life Working Timing and is now like in it. and Grid. I've worked Grid for a number of years. Yeah, you're also like uh, Emma's favorite now. Evidently. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're Emma's favorite. That's cool. It goes a long yeah. way. Emma probably doesn't like me as much as she likes Ryan. Ryan's way more, way cooler. So That is a fact. Yeah. I don't think she likes me very much either. So mm-hmm. well, that's fine. cool. Well, you help her. Yes. So um the registration, timing and scoring process this year, we revamped some things. Um we have our own Is revamp the word? I mean we vamped? I don't uh, well you dealt with things. Yeah. And made better processes. We had some better processes, yeah. But not everything got better. We're working on that. We're still working. Ticketing side, things like that. Um, but we have now um, 100-ish transponders of our own. And mm-hmm. We had those last year as well. But like taking care of those and manage, managing the logistics and like knowing where everything needs to be for yeah. the next event and charging and all that, it's just a little extra work. The three it, of us were just unsuccessfully hunting down lost transponders. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. And in this case, the three we thought we were missing, mm-hmm. uh, well. Didn't have a right. We did not have that right. We had one of them right. We got that one back. Turns out we're missing three still. Yeah. <laughs> so we were missing four. <laughs> but <clears throat> so it sounds like a problem for another day. But. Drivers just uh, drive away with them on their cars, and that's that. So. You send, <clears throat> so we'll probably have to send some emails once we actually do the math and figure out who has what. But um, I don't personally know how to do that. You don't know how to send an email? I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to know who has what. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. And I think we're still waiting on one to come back from Australia, right? Yeah. Yeah. That'll probably take forever. But we'll Australia. get it back. Yeah, repair. Yeah, the, the repair guy. The repair guy's in Australia. Oh. One sure. guy. One guy fixes them in the entire world. Like, AMB doesn't fix them. Wow. They're like, no, we'll sell you a new one, though. I was like, okay, well, I'll buy a couple. <laughs> Yeah. So Ryan, what do you do? What are you doing? Uh, what are you doing with your day job? You got that Pratt and Miller Pratt, thing on, Pratt right? Pratt and Miller. Yeah. yeah. I work as what's, a. What's Pratt and Miller? Who's Pratt and Miller? I know what they are. Oh, Pratt and Miller is a design and engineering company that uh, started out as a race team and now does a lot of things. That is super cool. Started as a race team and it turned into a real company. Yeah. So racing's fake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It wouldn't be cool to start a race team turn it into something cool, and then uh, sell it off and make a lot of money, live in Florida, a big house and a big boat. That would be cool. In a big boat? Yeah, Gary, Gary Pratt. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody want to buy a sanctioning body? <laughs> go for some Florida right now. <laughs> right. Man. So uh, in talking with you at lunch yesterday, you went to a kind of famous aerospace engineering school, and you originally started in helicopters. Yes. Um, where did Jamaica Jason work when he worked in Chicago land area? He worked at a forklift company. Oh, it was forklifts? He Does was, he work for a helicopter company now? I think he works for a forklift company. Still? I'm not positive. Mm, I haven't seen him in a long time. He was time. in Florida. Yeah, he missed the entire year. He texts me all the time. Mm, damn. I forget what he does now. 
I think he works for a helicopter company. He worked, anyway, he worked for a lumber company and then a forklift company and maybe a helicopter company. I have no idea. He's Ryan an engineer too. Used to work for a helicopter company, <laughs> what, and then he was like, "I have a disease." Yes, I like race cars. What helicopter should... company? Bell. Bell. Yeah, I've heard of them. Yeah, it's a cool place. What uh, what kind of stuff do you do for a helicopter company when you work uh, there? Well, I was a design engineer, as I am now. <laughs> and was working on a number. Of... I used to be a design engineer. <laughs> I used to uh, be a designer. I still am, but I used to be <laughs> yes. too. His, Just different things. <coughs> the the upper part of his shirt literally says "design" on the yeah. like yeah, on had, the arm. We had fancy shirts made. Yeah, you're well labeled. <laughs> well labeled. But so it's mostly three dimensional modeling. Yeah, what does your day consist of when you're doing uh, design of, engineer things? CAD, lots of CAD yeah. but also working on the floor, seeing okay, do we have parts in? Right. Uh, a lot of what I do now is composite mold design, okay. so making a lot of the body panels, carbon fiber, right. that kind of thing. Um, it's a lot to, that goes into how do you make a tool that you can make carbon fiber parts right. from, and also not cost millions. How of many parts? is the like for a mold that you're making what's the service life of the mold how many parts does it need to make it's like on a race car program you wouldn't imagine it's that many yeah you're not making 28,000 no parts. no for most stuff like you're not making like giant cnc aluminum molds for yeah, you're not making production quality for stamping correct. steel body panels um, you probably get 100 200 sets okay. off yeah. of stuff often you have to repair the molds, but it's cheaper. There's a lot of stuff repair. made in-house, too. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, we do a lot of the machining ourselves okay. for the molds, but our capacity's not... We're not a machine shop, okay. so we send a lot of that stuff out. Yeah. And you're in Detroit area, right? That is correct. So you can pretty much get anything done. Yeah. Like Everything's there. That's rad. There's, there's it's still all there. Everything. It's wild. Like, didn't, like, the auto industry move out? But it's all still there. Yeah, no, they're yeah. still they're no, still there, but they there. I mean they do a lot of their production elsewhere, and they but there's still a lot of suppliers that are based right. on that area. Yeah, Michigan is uh, they've had a good couple of years because of that too. Like a lot of the bigger cities yeah. in Michigan, they have like on on time or like delivery on time companies. They're like, oh, we got to make ten thousand seats for the thing, and they got to happen at these dates. And mm-hmm. there's in on time shipping companies and all that kind of stuff. It's pretty wild. It's a weird little like Michigan's interesting. It's different. Yeah, and then a lot, of the, a lot of the parts. EV stuff has opened up, like, like yeah. GM, I think, is, or is it Ford? One of them is, like, totally separate. Okay. Like, their EV stuff is, Alt- like... Altium? I think that's the mm-hmm. spin-out company. I Judson, yeah. I think, works for them. Really? Yeah, I think so, then. yeah. I don't know. I think so, yeah. We know people that do things. But they kind of, they siloed it, and they're, like, yeah. laying off people from the not EV side. Okay. Lot. Interesting. Yeah, it, the auto industry is weird. How affiliated with like OEMs is Pratt and Miller? A lot of them. Yeah. Um, I mean, the big one is GM with the Corvette program, but we also make the Camaro GT4s. Yep. Uh, what else have we made? You don't see a lot of those. No. Like, well, where where, They're not a lot where do them. those run? SRO. Okay. Uh, IMSA Pilot mm-hmm. Challenge. Uh, what else? One of them won in Nashville the other week. Yep. With SRO. The uh, so what are the cars that Pratt and Miller's building right now? Like, what would people see in pro racing next year? Corvette GT3. Okay, we'll see them in twenty twenty four. I think they just announced. A Is few that across drivers. a lot of series? Like a bunch should of be ones? across a lot of series. Like European and yes, so yeah. we'll have two cars in the WC yeah. run, being run by a team called. Oh, what are they called? They used to run Aston Martins. Now they're running. Mm. I'll remember it in a minute, but. The is it hard of racing? That it is not hard of racing because they do some Aston Martin stuff. Yeah, no. uh, TF have, Sport. Okay, yeah, they also have a drift team. Yeah. Hard of racing. That's they took great. a GT4 car and they cut it up. Yeah, it's super cool. <laughs> it's kind of rad. Yeah, I've seen that one. Uh, and then in in IMSA, Pratt and Miller will be running two cars as Pratt and Miller Motorsport. Okay, for the first time in a long time. Interesting. And then in the pro in GTD Pro, and then in GTD. Uh, AWA Motorsport will be running two cars as okay. well. So for next year, there'll be six cars. And so you said specifically Corvette GT3. That is, I think, I haven't seen any announcements recently. That's distinctly different than C8R? Correct. Uh, so How different is it? You'd think that it would be very similar, and you'd be wrong. <laughs> like totally different cars. Yeah. So they're based on the same car, obviously. We're using the same engine, just more productionized. Okay. Um, can do less to the motor for GT3 than you can 
unbelievable. <laughs> pizza. So Pete's supposed to be bringing me food. He's probably yeah. calling me. Yeah, probably. Um, you can probably pick up the you call. You can pick that Pete. call up. Now nah, we'll find it later. Yeah. Um, then your food's going to be cold, man. That's yeah, fine. Well, we'll keep the podcast short. We'll talk about Pratt Miller for 10 minutes. And we got to eat. Gotta eat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I got I got food. We'll be all right. Um, so uh, they're still both based on C8s, but. Correct. What, so the what, base chassis is the same. The motor's similar. Is the chassis mostly OEM? Yes. I mean, the, yeah. the whole chassis is OEM. Uh, you're allowed to move suspension points slightly oh, really? okay. and build full custom double arm right. suspensions and uh, move the motor. You can't make like a rear engine car, a front engine right. car, but you can move the motor like a percentage as far as you want. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Uh, so like the previous, the RSR Porsche mm-hmm. is a GTE car, which is right. what the C8R is. Uh, and they made a rear engine car a mid-engine car yeah, and they yeah. moved the transmission from one side to the yeah. other in gt3 you can't do that yeah so that was like a big deal it's like the first mid-engine it was. porsche yeah well, first mid-engine 911 yeah yeah but yeah i wonder what like how much better could it have been because like the rear engine ones are still car? pretty good for a race car it's probably a lot better yeah probably but the Mass rear engine ones are still pretty good <laughs> <laughs> yeah those were loud as shit too yeah real loud the ones that ran at Road America, I don't even know what they were. Like they're they were like the last gen cup cars. The Carrera Cup series, yeah. right? They sounded so cool for one lap and then for another lap and another lap and another lap before they got red flagged every time. Like you're like, Man, those are loud. <laughs> like they're so, so cool. Loud. They're like trumpets. They, and they then man they're loud. Boom tubes. Yeah, they're like Is the, that right? Yeah, they're Basically. like the first lap, you're like, damn. And we were right by turn 14, so we got to hear the entire trumpet up the whole front straight. And, like, when there was 25 of them, like, all on the first lap, you're like, this is so cool. And then the next lap, you're like, this is still happening? It's <laughs> 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 so loud. Well, I mean, I guess it's good that they all got red flagged then. Yeah, they, they crashed every session, dude. It was, it was a rough weekend. They had the coolest driver lounge, though. Really? Oh, dude. It was wild. The driver lounge, it was about 53 feet wide, so it must have been like semi-truck. Picture like the size of a... If you're looking at the front of it, it's like the size of a semi-truck if you're looking at the side of it. Like 53 by 9 or whatever, you know? But there were no axles, so they must have like taken the axle off. And then there was like this... It's like a big oval thing, and it like stretched out, and there was like 10 oval things, and they built the floor, and there's like the soft ceiling... And it looked like a freaking nightclub. It was the size of an Applebee's. <laughs> it was so bougie. Man. Uh, I don't know how they, like, set it all up. It's obviously a mobile, like, thing. And you, you were know? like, hi, I'm Adam. I'm, I, I'm a dirtbag. I'm here I, with it my was like, It was 11 o'clock at night. I'm, like, walking around with three GLTC drivers and Giles. And Giles is like, man, we need one of those. And I was like, yeah, probably not going to have one of those. <laughs> I just bought an old moving trailer to haul our shit around in. <laughs> so, but, yeah, it was... Uh, it was wild how different, like, pay-to-play pro racing, like, oh yeah, uh, yeah, like those dudes are all paying to buy a seat, yeah, right? Like Ferrari Challenge, yeah, or anything Ferrari like Challenge, Career Cup. It's a customer-driven, yeah, it's largely customer-driven racing, and they had all the cars are the same, but the only difference you could you could tell the classes it was like Am, Pro Am, and Am, I think, or Pro Pro Am and Am. Um, they had like. One, one, their numbers were on the upper corner of the windshield, uh, passenger side, and it was like the number and Pro-Am, and there were different colors, like highlighter yellow, highlighter orange, and yellow, mm-hmm. I think. And that, that was how you knew they were in different classes. But they all sounded exactly the same. Yeah. Sometimes they, they do headlight color. Yeah, there was also headlight colors, too. Like I they'll think. do like a... Fog lights or headlights were a different color. Yellow. Yeah. That kind of cor- I think it corresponded to that. So, But yeah, the cars were wild. They were fast, too. Um, real fast. So... Um, so pretty. The paddock is so pretty. When when you moved from helicopters to race car engineering, um, what was that? That's like a kind of a sizable career shift. It's like going from so, shoes to gloves, dude. Totally different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, like, what was the first year like, or what was the learning curve? Right. So, it it was a big shift, but it wasn't. You're so still doing kind of the same thankfully, tasks, right? It's this. It's a similar job, like I said, design engineering to design engineering. Right. Um, and when I moved to Pratt and Miller, I was working on an, uh, a mobility program. So one of there's three pillars of Pratt and Miller: there's mobility, defense, and the motorsports. Oh yeah, okay. And uh, defense number of projects. A lot of them I don't know about, can't talk about. Um, mobility is a lot of uh, BEV 
battery electric vehicle development, oh, whether it's, you know, there's announcement we're working with Karma currently, um, previously with other large OEMs doing uh, large trucks. Um, I think at one point we were working with Nikola. <laughs> oh, cool. But got out of that a while back. Are but they still around? No. They are technically still around. I think they? they are. I think they actually built some trucks, too. Yeah, just the guy that ran it went to jail or is about to go to jail. Yeah. That will happen. But still owns, like, a lot of the company. Yeah, he was like a billionaire. Yeah. But it was a lot of And then they were like, hey, you, stuff. you did some stuff wrong. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I don't know the backstory about it. Uh, so we build a lot of prototype vehicles where companies, OEMs, will contract us to right. put their ideas into motion, so to speak. Yeah. Um, so they'll have a technology base, but they like, okay, we have this chassis, but we want to make it an electric vehicle, and we'll right. assemble test vehicles and then do testing with them. That's cool. Neat. That stuff is, that seems like the cooler part of cars is developing the next one. Yeah. It seems like it would suck to just have to build. Abe and I are in the same kind of funk with this. We're like, let's build the next thing that we like. Right. Let's just kind of like getting old doing the same thing. Well, we've been, we have designing sort the next of, car sort of dialed cool. in GLTC over the last five years. Mm-hmm. And same thing with Time Attack. The, certainly with Time Attack. Yeah, and I, I really enjoy doing stuff that's fresh. And in my regular job, I like the death of me is when things become routine. Yeah. Even if they're hard, when they become routine, I really get bored. It really seems like in the car world, building the next car and figuring it out would be the coolest job. It's kind of why I I would actually argue that at some point it might be smart to dramatically change something in the GLTC rulebook that shakes things up for everybody, maybe. not just for some people. Yeah, maybe. So, like, change the formula enough so that everyone has to go back, not to the drawing board, but everyone has to go do something yeah. to change how they're competitive. Maybe. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Got suggestions of making the tires smaller. I would say that the A, B separated races I think that was that's a great. Elite. I would have loved decision. to have. It was great to watch the battles been? at the front of the B race that you wouldn't other see otherwise. Dude, it, B was the best racing all week. Oh, yeah, it was, it was awesome. I was so proud of the B class cars. Like they put on such a good show, yeah. and everyone is so stoked on it. Yeah. Like in the live stream, I, you know, I'm watching chat a couple of times. I go up in the in the tower, and I would rewind. And I'm looking for something, and like I'm watching the chat. And every like over and over, people are like this format rules. More racing, more racing. So I think we kind of found something there. I did notice but. that there were a decent number of people watching the stream, more than maybe I'd noticed at previous events. I, I didn't so. watch any of that. But, yeah, mixing things up and building the next thing, that's a thing. And I can imagine that would be not the most boring job. So No, that's great. And that's the that's the most exciting part about it is new and different. And I, yeah. think, I think Pratt embodies that ethos okay uh so we actually as i was hiring in they announced that we were acquired being acquired by oshkosh oh really interesting big military vehicles uh dump trucks trucks, cement trucks trucks, uh fire trucks yeah all the biggest things right because we we've worked with them a lot on a lot of the defense programs that have been through pratt and then they decided they liked us but thankfully they've kept the race team around they seem to be very Hands off and keep us as a an R and D, and and think so like the new and, and different. So other than the current GT three program, it seems to be most projects are a year, eighteen months, okay. and then on to the next, which is really cool. So I mean, for for projects though, a year to eighteen months seems like just short term, quick quick win stuff. Do you do you ever touch things that are like a five year time horizon or more than that? Personally, no. Um, I'm sure that the GT3 program and the customer support will probably be several years. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. I mean, cars can be homologated for five, six. Like a minimum of three, usually. Yeah, Yeah. usually a minimum of three, and then they might do an Evo at some point. That's cool. um, Mostly it's the prototype type vehicles, not like seeing things to fruition, customer facing stuff. So, how did you get into car stuff? You always kind of been like that. Oh, I got Matchbox cars, they're Hot Wheels, and I. Yeah. Well, I had always followed Rally. Oh, really? And okay. I've done a lot of Rally co-driving. Yeah. I remember talking um, about that. Yeah. yeah Forgot all about that. You also have a, like a, a Merker XR4Ti, right? I do. It's a, <laughs> such a weird car. <laughs> it is. There was there was the uh, two cars at the 
the concourse yeah. today. There was a, a uh, Sapphire Cosworth. Yeah. And the four-door? Mercur. Yeah, the four-door. I dynoed that car. Yeah. It, it didn't do well. No. <laughs> well, it had a Mercur engine in it. Yeah. <laughs> but there it made was a that. lot of And there was a Mercur with a 302 in it, too. Okay. So. That was his also, I think. Oh, really? Yeah, that was the same guy. <laughs> he also, like, works security at Lime Rock part-time. That's pretty cool. He lives locally. Yeah. He was so stoked about the dyno. And he made 150 horsepower. 150? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, like it seemed like 23 stock... pounds of boost. <laughs> oh, I damn. was like, something's wrong with this car, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I can tell you mine is a little bit more than that, just from the, yeah, the, the, the butt dyno. But yeah. it's similar. It same, sounded great. Same turbo. It sounded good. But, yeah, uh, I like in high school, nobody yeah. watched Rally. Like, right. I was, like, up at night watching... F1 streams and then at rally at the time all you get was like an audio yeah. stream or like a Twitter thing. Are you talking and like US rally or no, WRC? Uh, WRC. Okay. And then it was like like Travis Pastrana and yeah. Ken Block were going at it and I was like, oh, there's rally in the US too. Oh, yeah. And then started going there. And then there was a rally in my town. Really? That I went to school in in Prescott, Arizona. So the cool. the other campus of Embry Riddle Aeronautical University is in Prescott, Arizona. Okay. Prescott as the locals say. And that we're going around and there's an Escort Cosworth driving down the road That's stickered cool. up and then there was an STI and yeah. then there was an Evo and I was like this is not normal it was actually Boy. a stage rally stage rally That's in right. Prescott yep like happens every year except for who, who does last it? year because of COVID uh, previously was Rally America okay. and NASA NASA is oh, the yeah, NASA's they, got some they have their own rally I stuff forgot about that it's, pretty, it's gotten a lot smaller since the advent of the ARA uh, what Rally's so hard to sanction. Yeah. Like, SCCA Pro Rally, all that kind of stuff happened. Yeah, and then when SCCA went hands-off, that was Rally America. Right, right. And then I don't know when NASA started, but then... I think NASA was around off and on for a while. Mm -hmm. It was just, like, one chapter of NASA that did, like... They do, like, one or two a year. It was somebody's project. Right. Like, they wanted to do... And then they were really split East Coast, West Coast. Yeah. With NASA. That's kind of the thing with NASA. And yeah, they do that. There's alternating national championship. There's a whole bunch of different NASAs. There's national office that like, oh, we'll take the membership dues. You guys do whatever you want. Yeah. Here's your insurance, (laughs) you know, and you just basically, I could be a NASA member or a NASA sanctioning body if I wanted to. Yeah. Like NASA Adam Jabay, you know, I could host events. (laughs) We need that. NASA Adam Jabay. Adam Jabay. But uh, I think it's like the pet project of somebody who wants to do that. Yeah. You know, they also have like a little bit of an autocross group. I did not. NASA even know does that. autocross in a couple areas. So. Uh, Great Lakes, I did that. Uh, that's hmm. where I got started doing okay. autocross. Yep. Nice. Yeah, NASA's interesting. They've got. It's kind of cool how they've got the diversification of that. But uh, I actually um, preferred NASA autocross to SCCA. I thought it was easier to understand. Okay. Mm. It was easier to understand if your car was modified, right? right? Like, you yeah. you got points based on how a car was prepared, okay. and you were just classed with the other cars that had the same points. A little bit more and, flexible. Kind of like champ car. Uh, I, I would say so, yeah. yeah. And when I went, my car was never, like, top, top car of the weekend, maybe once, but... Yeah. Um, Paul Curley and Chad McCurdy and yeah. my buddy James, who you'd met before. Yep. Did one lap with you. Uh, did one lap with me. We were all like doing NASA Great Lakes. And the, the intent was no one ever cared about packs or anything uh, right. it, like that. Everyone just wanted the fastest time of the day. Yeah. That just, was the just only thing that mattered. Just a bunch of Evo idiots and Corvette guys. It, just, was, I mean, it was a pretty serious club. That's right. That's um, cool. Like Southwest like, Ohio is pretty. You're all just beat, trying to beat each other. Yeah. And yeah, just uh, fastest time of the day. That's kind of that's it, a fun way to do autocross. It's like, oh, pretty cool. I've won my class of three minis in a fit, but you can't. You have to run on two eighty-five Hoosiers, but you can't put any other mods on it. You know, there's some crazy autocross rules out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, back in the day, H stock like, C prepared, and yeah, yeah. There's so many wild autocross rules. Um, yeah, and cool. we rarely had like, you know, what what are those like F mod type things mm-hmm. that not like the SCCA yeah, stuff. Like, it wh- was like for most it was just cars wings and things yeah yeah some of that stuff at SCCA like a mod b mod cars so cool wild yeah bike engines fucking 10 foot tall wings so bespoke like okay we're building a car just to autocross as fast as you possibly can yeah. did you see the the UT Arlington a mod car no. so COVID happened there wasn't FSAE happening yeah. that year so, so they built an a-mod they car, built an AMOD car. 
Yeah, and A-modded. the amount of wings on that thing was insane. I have a buddy that won A-mod a mod at Solonats. Yeah, it's so crazy. Like, I have a buddy that won A-mod or B-mod a few years ago, and he said, dry, it was his, him and his father-in-law, um, and he said driving it is like, what did he compare it to? I think I say machine gun fight all the time, but he's, it was like, everything's in fast forward. Like, like the, oh, it was uh, the Star Wars thing, you know, or hyperdrive, hyperdrive, like, or whatever, you know, when, when the stars blur and go by you, like, that's what it's like to autocross an A-mod and a B-mod car. Jeez. Yeah. Um, some interesting things happened this weekend. Uh, Sasha Anise brought his hybrid mm-hmm. powertrain Z. It's so cool. And it might be one of the best sounding cars in the grid life paddock yeah, ever. Yeah. And it's really fast. Uh, and it's really pretty now, actually. Yeah. The um, red is cool. Alex Vonghe had done a bunch of carbon work on it. It's very cool looking. And it's really fast. And it sounds great. I think that's the aim of car my buddy drove. What an absurd thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like four freaking wings in the front or in the back so and two in fun. the front. So nuts. Here's another one. Look at that craziness, dude. That's so dumb. Insanity, man. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, the cars in Time Attack were really impressive overall. I think Sasha's car was amazing. Um, 26 Club TR cars. Yeah. Like so there many. Lot. There was Club a lot at Mid-Ohio as well. Yeah, it was in the mid-20s at Mid-Ohio, I think. When I was talking to Alex, um, I, I'm hoping to have him on the show sometime soon. From uh, Is he still doing Spageboard? Yeah, five years. Really? Long yeah. Time. And he's like doing it real company yeah good for him um he was saying that sasha's car i think only makes like six or seven hundred horsepower it was like 550 and then 175 electric yeah so like seven twenty five it's yeah that sounds like a lot if you know you're not in time Mm. attack but to do that fast at at the unlimited level with that little power actually is a testament to what they've done well that car has been developed forever and ever and ever he he t- I talked to him last week and he because we're also doing Model Three Challenge with we're supporting Model Three Challenge for the next oh yeah that happened minutes. yeah uh, Alex won Model Three Challenge didn't he he did yeah, yeah. he uh, was Sasha that his car? no I don't think so Sasha was just like hey do you want to drive this okay cool glad to see him back in the paddock it's been a little while since he's been down here but uh, yeah so Model Three Challenge we we had the inaugural Model Three Challenge event here which is kind of like a hybrid time attack like a little bit of a wheel to wheel feel. Um, and uh, kind of a cool rule set for, for those cars. But uh, looking forward to having like 25 at Laguna. They think 25 or 30 at Laguna. Don't be sick. Might be busy. Um, I was paying attention. My biggest concern for Model 3 Challenge this year, or this event, was radio chatter telling the, the flagger passing zone. all of these passing things happening. Yep. Um, in the, what, we had like eight cars, eight or nine cars, something like yep. that. It didn't seem to be overly busy. No, that was okay. And so I imagine that even if we like double or triple the car count, it probably won't be that bad because yeah. this track would have been the stress test for the most part because it's so short. Right. Yeah, it's not, I don't think it's, I think it's going to be fine, um, especially once you qualify by pace and stuff. But yeah, that went pretty well. But talking with Sasha about that car specifically, um, he was like, it's been so long since I drove it that like, it's so hard to get used to, but once you get once you like get dialed in with the car, like it's actually pretty easy to drive. That used to be a, it was like an X Pro car. I forget what series it was built for, but uh, it's, it's so dialed. Like he's driven that car for twelve years. Yeah. Um, so it's not like he's jumping into. That's the thing about unlimited time attack is usually they're like jumping into something that they finished last weekend, and like crossing their fingers that it doesn't explode. Yeah, like. And they've there never aren't. actually driven this car. They drove the last version, the last event, which was a totally different car. No, this car's largely been the same car. Yeah, so. um, what I can say about that car is that, from my memory, there are only three cars that, when I stand in grid, accelerate so fast that, to me, it makes my eyes yeah. go weird. It looks stupid. And the way that, like, the that only car. way I can describe you know, to people who are listening is if you're, if a fast car is coming at you, you have a perception of how quickly it should be coming to you. If the car is accelerating faster than that, yep. your, your eyes get a little strange. You like expect it to be somewhere and the, that's yeah, not they, where it they is. They lose it and they're like, how come I, how come I can't see that anymore? Yeah, it's like, like out of the focus of a your little eyes. Bit, yeah. yeah. And so, uh, your brain like has an, it's like a, got a built in like 
it's like anticipating. Yeah, you know you expect how fast that it's it supposed to be, be there. Yeah. And it, um, when something uh, like goes too fast, it just kind of disappears, and your brain doesn't understand. Yeah. So three cars have done that in my life. Just straight acceleration. Yep. Um, Mike DeSold's car at Road Atlanta, mm-hmm. really fast. And like when you're standing on pit wall and you're watching it come at you, it's it was quick. Yeah. Um, Will's car at Gingerman. Okay. You're standing right at start finish. It comes at you quick. Yeah. And then uh, Sasha's car here. Yeah, pretty quick. Just accelerating out of pit lane, it just like disappeared. I didn't know how hard that thing must be like a nine second car. Yeah, it goes because uh, he was he he led the leaderboard shootout, which is like kind of just like a feature thing in the live stream, and he was the first one out, and it just like disappeared and was in turn one immediately. Like it's so fast. <laughs> Speaking of the the leaderboard shootout thing, we were perfectly on time. Um, I was surprised we were perfectly on time because there were a couple of cases where you had released a pair of cars mm-hmm. because they were like, you kind of wanted them to run together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the two DC Integros, the two and drift, the drift cars, cars. yeah, And the, the FCP cars. cars yeah. um, when so we got you, more cars. When you built the schedule, oh, we actually got more cars, so you planned to release those all as pairs? Yeah, those, those were planned to be pairs. What was the selection process for which cars got in? So we're talking with Chris about it, and Chris like Chris's brain was in a million different places. So I started talking with Kyle about it, uh, and I was like, we should, we should like showcase all the things, all the all kinds of different cars that like helped evolve our sport into what we're doing here right now. And last year we didn't showcase any drift cars. And I was like, we should probably showcase some drift cars. Um, and the last one, which kind of didn't fit anything, was Ryan Turk's uh, pickup truck. The, st- uh, the stout, the Toyota, uh, which he's having too many problems with. But he did do a lap. And he tried to do like a grip lap. I, I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he had his wife in it. He was just kind of playing with the car but or the truck. But it was it was a bunch of interesting cars. That we, I, I told Swan I really want to have like a couple of cars in drift cars that like can showcase, you know, like aspirational cars that people get into drifting to want to have, you know, but, but also like are, are more from the 90s era. Um, and then the FCPO cars, those are both super cool cars. And like a Volvo wagon, car guys like wagons. Tell me about uh, it. And yes. they just love wagons. And that thing's irrationally. Yeah, it's an ITB five cylinder or whatever. It's super cool. Um, and then the 190E, the Golden Era project, what an amazing like DTM tribute, but also like tuner car tribute. And I could just go down the line. Like Sasha's car was green last year. Different hybrid drive, but like that thing is like one of the epitome of time attack cars. Oh sure, think, yeah, in the country. Um, the DC Integras, I think, uh, we had Civics last year. We had Cattell's car last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had Borsma last year. And he almost uh, stuffed it last year, didn't he? he? Did during the shootout? Yeah, he put it on on kill mode, like two thirty <laughs> wheel versus one ninety, and he tried to take the hill matted, and it just didn't work because he went way too fast. But uh, yeah, just like picking out cars that like make the uh, you know make the hobby what we do what we do so. Yeah, and I would say it was hard to do. I was not happy curating it. You it did. A lot of um, work. You, you missed one release with the GTR. Yeah, we totally screwed up the GTR. We forgot it was here. <laughs> you, uh, I saw you say something to him. Was he like, "Yeah, hey, it's cool"? Yeah, it was fine. Uh, Carson and I were watching our watches. We're trying to like put about a thirty second gap. We had one car on a flyer, and when it was on its second flyer, we give about thirty seconds and start the next one. And uh, Mike's moving back into the bus here. Okay, if you're wondering what the noise is. Hi, Mike. It's happy Hi. birthday. Mike's Thank birthday. You. Happy birthday. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, we, we're we like, okay, I think we're good. And, like, we're both nodded, yeah, uh, right now. And we send the drift cars. And then all of a sudden the GTR comes charging down the hill <laughs> on the starter's flyer. It's hard to – it's really hard to time some of those things. But we just, like, actually both forgot that the GTR was on track. <laughs> Felt bad for him. He didn't care. It was fine. Yep. Um, like, managing some of the logistics and the – you know, specific brain power things. Yeah. A lot of this stuff seems obvious and intuitive on, you know, TV or on the broadcast there or whatever. There are some things you got to wing. But though. there are a lot of things that are happening. It really yeah. it really makes me admire s- some of the mm-hmm. special things that Formula One does that are off of routine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you know that there are people on the back end who... Months of work. Yeah, it's just it's a lot of prep, and mm-hmm. you're you're thinking about every single detail, and then if something doesn't go right, you then improvise. Yeah, and we didn't nail the shootout session, like getting details, and like half the cars that I had chosen broke. That does literally happen. half the cars I chose broke. Um, 
so we're substituting like we substituted Rob Dom and Alan Newsom mm-hmm. in for James Wood and another car. Like it, it moving. Th- I wanted some RX sevens. I wanted a rotary and a V eight, right? Mm-hmm. And then I got two rotaries, but a three rotor and two rotor. But yeah, just dumb stuff like that. And then you're trying to convince these drivers to do it, but then they're oh, I'm almost out of tire. I don't think I can. I want to do the last session. Blah blah blah. You know. Mm-hmm. So it's a fluid thing, and then I got to get a build sheet. I got to get to Kyle, and we got like a whole dock going. It was a pain in the ass. Um, we can do it better next year. I just kind of forgot how much work it was. Yeah. Uh, something I did notice is several people made contact with the wall at the bottom of seven. Yeah. Uh, one of them pretty hard, and then he raced the next day. Yeah. Tony, Tony. Marchev stuffed the shit out of that car. Like, hard, hard, hard. But, um, yeah, pretty good event overall, though. He, like... Broke a rear rotor, messed everything up mm. in the back, messed everything up. Changed in the all the suspension, but the chassis was straight. It's crazy. Somehow. Yeah, it was somehow straight. The whole side of the car is wiped out. But uh, he had some pretty good racing today. So. Yep. Uh, Jeremy Louder had a an issue off track as well, broke a bunch of yeah. stuff. Big and then um, I caught up with him yesterday and asked how he was doing, you know, like if, you know, things are okay. And he was just like, yeah, man, I'm trying fucking crazy to to find a control arm mm-hmm. i need to find one i've called everywhere i want to get back on track mm-hmm. like, yes yeah you gotta, sickness don't quit gotta get back on the horse man yeah. it's it's not fun to drive home with a broken car and a broken ego like it's you're better off just trying to drive again because yeah. it'll it'll fix you more than if you don't uh crashing your car and then not driving for like a year or six months or whatever it's hard it'll screw you up like it'll yeah. make it less fun for you be better off getting in that crappy car that you just broke and driving it again. Like actually, I've done both ways. It's way better if you just drive the next day. So I'm glad. Ryan, have you ever uh, had a crash? Thankfully, no. Oh man, I've, although I've, my first time off track was uh, turn eleven in Mid Ohio. That's a good place to do it. I've written off a few. Th- I, mean, I haven't written anything off, but I've fixed a lot of body panels in my life. I have been passenger in a number of rally crashes, though. Yeah, that'll happen. Any bad ones? Hitting a. Well, hitting a tree at 45 Samir, miles an hour. Samir, you're breaking the car. <laughs> it's pretty. <laughs> Samir, you're breaking the car. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Listen to my calls. <laughs> when you come to an immediate and complete stop, that instantly. Is, what yeah. kind of car were you? Yeah, EG, EG Honda. That's a bad one. <laughs> Actually, the driver of that car was here today. Who was it? Uh, Brian Maskery. Rally ready. Yeah, I know that name. Yeah, he was. He was here. I think I might have worked on that Civic. Yeah. Yeah, that back. might have been our live stream dude's old Civic. Probably, yeah. I think it is. Yeah. White. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that car done now? That was done. Oh, right that's back. too bad. Yeah. Yeah, I think I worked on that Civic. I think I crewed that car one time, like an 05. And it missed the motor. It Really? It pushed the fender to the side and hit the right front wheel in front of me. Oh, wow. And, like, folded the floor. Stock, stock glass car. Yeah. No, another glass broke. The yeah. screen, the windscreen broke because the chassis was so twisted. Right. And, like, I had a GoPro on a, on a suction mount, and mm-hmm. it was, like crash like insta stop and then the gopro just goes boo, boom because it <laughs> cracked behind the suction cup like after the yeah. impact yeah the air, and the you air open the, the trunk we couldn't close it because like, that twisted. big crease in the roof big crease in the center tunnel like bruised my foot because it like the, mm-hmm. if there was no anti-intrusion bar on the cage like that yeah. would not have been good it kinked that bar i recently had a discussion with somebody who came up through co-driving and rally um she's consulted she's like a business consultant that we're talking with um about like, hey, how do we optimize some things and like, tell us how to be a business? You know, um, she's been in the car world forever. She's she worked in Toyota and Formula Drift stuff and like trying to fix our partnership problems and all mm. that stuff. Uh, fascinating. She came up through uh, as a co-driver. She's like never raced really, but she's been a co-driver. And, she, and she's like, yeah, there's just like a few people that can be co-drivers. Uh, you just like have to be that person that like never throws up. So, are you Basically. one of those people? All except for one event. I couldn't. I couldn't. And it was never in a million years. Sixteen miles of switchback, one stage. Twelve miles of switchback, ninety degrees, foggy at night with yeah. ninety degrees. Um, that was the one that event that I got gross. sick on. It was bad. And in a in like a top spec car, like the international, they call R five or now right. Rally two cars. They pitch and roll like that's how they make grip. Yeah, yeah, and. When you're doing a lot of switchbacks and it's just throwing you yeah. side to side, and then the worst of it was not on stage necessarily, but was afterwards, and then they're really you know it's a stripped out race car, and it's just like this harmonic where it's like yeah. super low gearing and high revs, oh. and 
yeah. doing 50 mile an hour and making me sick. Thinking 500 about it, RPM. Yeah. It's kind of like uh, <laughs> when I was in grad school, I sometimes had too much to drink, mm-hmm. and I would What's ride. Wrong? I would ride the red line back to my house. And oh yeah. If, <laughs> if you're, if you're <laughs> no, it's, it's the starting and stopping that it gets you because oh, I'm like yeah. you're smashed and you're just like. Whoa. Oh yeah. yeah, that's how you die. Oh yeah, <laughs> literally and figuratively. Ugh, that sounds terrible. Yeah, well, rally is really hard. It it's is really hard. There's a lot of logistics. You still doing anything with it or no? Oh, yeah, I did a couple rallies this year. Okay, cool. Um, co-driving? Yep. Wow. I've never driven a rally. I'd like to someday, but but you just co-drive. Just co-drive. How it's did you insane. get into co-driving? It's cheaper to co-drive. It is much cheaper. Sometimes to co-drive. you sometimes you get paid. Sometimes you get paid. Yeah. I got to that point, thankfully. Yeah? You're good enough to get paid. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. It's cr- co-drivers are nuts. I, cr- are. I crewed for rally for a bunch of years, like for fun for my buddy, who now leads the live stream. That's, mm-hmm. his, that's like his company. It's, it's insane. It's insane. Rally is insane. It's so hard. Yeah. One time I was laying in a field trying to fix a broken steering rack with a welder that didn't have the right, <laughs> didn't have the right wire didn't have any gas and it was a make welder no gas didn't have uh didn't have a mask but burlington subaru had a welder which wasn't a good one <laughs> yeah and we got like five turns out of it before the rack was broke again <laughs> we lit the field on fire around me while i was welding it was terrible it was in maine that was the event that we passed tech by letting all the trans fluid out of the car because it leaked so, it didn't so leak. bad yeah <laughs> it wouldn't leak if it didn't have any yep. fluid in it so we passed tech then and the best part of that story what Travis Pastrana oh, was that's there. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he was like, "Hey, buddy, what you doing?" Yeah, he le- he looks down. He, he was like pitted like two down, and we're, I think, we're still trying to pass tech. And he's like, "Hey, what you doing?" <laughs> and yeah. Just like draining the fluid out. I'm like, it's got too bad of a leak. Draining all the fluid out. And he's like, "It's a good idea." <laughs> <laughs> Travis and Ken Block are some of the nicest people. Or yeah, were and yeah. just like when you're out there in the rally, you're just co- like you're cope. Oh, existing. You're not a fan yeah. running up to him to try and get right. an autograph. They're just yeah. chill. It's it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Just car enthusiast. Exactly. Well, we've had some like semi-famous people drive with us, and it's like, like Bucky Lassick is. I don't know if he's done our events, yeah. but we've hung with him at mm-hmm. Rally Ready a few yeah. times, and he's just like just, just a dude hanging out, just like a skateboarder who's you know got to pay his bills too. Yeah, so. exactly. But he also like rallies and races and. You know, X Games gold like twenty five times or some shit, something like that. But yeah, Dalton Klein almost lost his mind <laughs> when I told him that Bucky was at Rally Ready, and then Bucky left. And he was so sad. And then I crashed his car. I crashed Dalton's. You car. You crashed his car. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, totally. <laughs> the chopped totally. up. <laughs> yeah, I had to buy him a radiator recently because he wanted to fix it correctly. Didn't my fix didn't break? Never broke. So Ryan, what is the next event that you will be at? We're going to see you at all this year for the rest of the year? You got Willow? I mean, or if we you got need Heartland, me at Willow Laguna, and Laguna. I'll be there. I need to buy you a ticket to Laguna. Yeah, let's I'm do it. Yeah. I need to book some trips. Yeah, we need to do that. Yeah. I need a week off, and then I'll start thinking about Heartland yeah. and Laguna. We're, gonna, we're diving deep into Laguna ASAP, obviously. But I can't believe how many we're doing. What a great event this one was, though. This place is perfect. I drove the into track, the racetrack, and I was uh, stoked. The track is so pro and so polite at the same time. And also, they're like, you guys are so organized. And we're like, <laughs> all right, sure. You positive? I mean, we actually probably are pretty organized. But, like, they're so complimentary of us, which is wild. It's wild. Skip Barber walked up to Trisha on Tuesday. And Trisha called me right afterwards because she was so stoked. And she said, Skip Barber just walked over, and he was watching all the boys work, and I'm doing some stuff. And he said, you guys are way more organized than IMSA. They're kind of a mess. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> That's what Skip Barber told Trisha on Tuesday. Oh. You guys are way more organized than IMSA. They're kind of a mess. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, Trisha also said that she once met Daniel Ricardo and didn't know who he was. They were somewhere and. Oh, they were at Race Service or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he like and, lives in L.A. He, owns, not he, owns part of, he owns part of Race Service. Yeah. And she was like, oh, hi. okay. Hi, I'm Trisha. He was at Rally Ready at one point. Yeah, and cool. And Dave, you should ask Dave about it yeah. next time you see him or talk to him. Um, and Dave his dis- rules. Description of the show that we trying did. to teach Daniel Ricardo how to drive a normal car yeah. is hilarious. 
Well, he doesn't know how to drive stick or something. Like he he does, but just like the concept of like I don't know. I just like I'm like ninety degrees left, ninety degrees right. What else do I do? Right. Yeah, it's probably. I mean, when you live your life in that world, then you're just being driven around by people, and you never do that. And yeah, like you have one job. Yeah. Yeah, Texas Dave rules. He's so one funny. of my favorite people. It was one of my favorite shows yeah. that we've done this year. He randomly called me like th- six days ago. And he's like, "Hey, buddy, what you doing?" I'm like, "I'm up on a ladder." He's like. Chris says you're always on a ladder. Is that true? I'm like, yeah, kind of always on ladders. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, yeah, one of my guys, he's building an Integra, or it was an Integra Civic or whatever. He wants to run GLTC. What should he do to get ready for it? <laughs> so I told him, yeah, get a bunch of DEs in with the car, make sure the car's dialed. He's like, oh, he's, he's race rally. He's fine, but what should he do? So he's got a guy that wants to do GLTC. Which is yeah, really I like that. Yeah. I hope that we don't go back to... Single race format GLTC. I mean, we will for I, Laguna. I want to see more of this. Yeah, it was pretty rad. I, w- I would love to move schedules around and do this more. This was cool. Yep. I think two th- two twenty five car races at Mid Ohio is a way better weekend than one fifty two car race. Yeah, for, for sure. sure, for sure. Um, Same thing with Gingerman. Sixty cars at Gingerman. No, Man. like how about two thirty car bangers? Yeah, yeah. And you've got, I mean. You, You've got cars taking the green before the backfield takes turn 11. And promotion just, and relegation, that's a cool thing. Lap yeah. traffic. and yeah. yeah, way less lap traffic. So. Um, anyway, we should probably go to the party. We're in the show for 50 minutes almost. What's, what's the party? Up at the arcade. Are there yeah. any drinks at the party? I don't know. People are calling me and texting me, why aren't you at the party? All right, let's go, go to the party. party. Yeah. Sounds Thanks good. for being on our show. Yeah, Absolutely. Should people, should people bother you on social media somewhere? Or no. Yeah, I'm Rally Sideways on Instagram. It's a cool name. Yeah. Spelled Been, the normal way? Spelled the normal way. No spaces. No, no Z's. No no Z's. No. <laughs> no e, it. No I guess I'm also technically be. on YouTube, but it's mostly just like uploading my autocross runs to, to no. have my friends tell me how slow Nothing I am. Like, that. like three people watch them. I right. get that. Hang out with Ito Waxman all day. You're going to go. Yeah, well. You're going you're gonna to probably get a lecture once in a while. I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Edo or Tom or yeah, you got fast DJ friends. or you gotta get rid of these fast friends, dude. Yeah. Paul, with, Paul Darling. Yeah, hang out with a bunch of dorks like us. Yeah, you'll be the fastest. I, I think of all. I ruined Paul. I let him drive my Mazda. Right. I have an RX-8, which is objectively a terrible car from yeah. a motor standpoint, but from a dynamic standpoint, is amazing. Yeah, Renesis won Engine of the Year when it came out. I don't. Oh. Really well, know like they're a pain, pain about to live with. Me, but like when they're good, they're pretty rad. Yeah. yeah. Well, let me put it this way: Mid Ohio, I put five quarts of oil in it. That's a lot. To not to keep it from being not low, does it <laughs> to keep it from being not low? D- does it have its own oil metering pump like the yeah, old stuff? Yeah, it does. Okay, but it's, so it's obviously either overacting or there's a seal stuck. Or it's burning it on purpose. Though. Yes, yeah, it does. Yeah. Not, just but it's like it should be like maybe a quart a day in. I did know, and you premix. I did notice that there was a lot of smoke behind the car, <laughs> but not on track. Yeah, John Raymond lectured me because mostly it was smoking a lot on pit road. Yeah, you come up pit road. He was coming on and he was just like. Shaking his head, mm-hmm. I'm like it clears up. Don't worry. Speaking yeah. of, did you both see the size of the fireballs that were coming out of Al- Adam LZ's oh, yeah. rotary Supra? Some big ones, big big ones. Yeah, rotaries are weird. Like man. almost, like almost touching the car behind it. <laughs> oh yeah, ten, I saw a ten footer. Damn, he was like rolling. He came off track. Car's real hot, right? And he rolls past me, and like whoop, like rips it one time. It's a four rotor ITBs. And then on the on like the rundown, yeah, it was a nine and a half foot fireball. I mean, it just went and came right out. It was so much fight. It was half the length of the <laughs> oh car. It was God. probably at least eight feet. It was stupid. God, but, yeah, interesting builds. Do you see anything else? I mean, I know that we're getting ready to leave, but do you see anything else that was especially? Uh, did you go up ex- to the car show? I did. I was there it's today. Um, what did I see? There was a lot of. Nice stuff up there. There was a lot of very the East nice Coast things. really shows up at this event now. I really like having Concourse here. Yeah, yeah, and they do like they showed up. There was there was pushing. There was a five thousand people on site here. Is that that's right? It's like what Trans Am gets. Wow, like, it, that's a good chunk of what IMSA got two weeks ago. That's or, or four weeks ago, whatever. Yeah, it was pretty solid. Pretty solid weekend. How there, do we make it better next year? I think we just keep doing the same thing. You know, well, you know what I already said about doing the same thing. Yeah, but I think we keep refining what we do on track, yeah. and we keep doing more stuff up there. Yeah. Like, bring in more activations. We had double the vendors. The midway was great. I think we bring in 250 car show cars instead of 150. 
Dude, and I also you know, maybe had there's, maybe there's the jump car show over there and the you know the concourse over here. And I, I think, think I had know. the best bratwurst of my life here. You, you you put that in the group chat that that was a good bratwurst. It was very good. Yeah. I also had I had one. he convinced me. I had two I had two lunches because I had a shitty bratwurst, <laughs> and then he told me about this one. And you got the good and one. I was like, I'm gonna be in the booth gotta all day that, today. I'm gonna, gonna eat one. more food. I didn't eat until three third four o'clock today. I didn't eat anything, and I was fine. Well, I think we should probably end a show and go for a drink. All right, cool. Let's do that. Thanks for listening, everybody. What do I do? Hit the red button? Yep. All right, here I'm going to do it. Slip Angle was created by Austin Cabot and Adam Jubay, co-hosted by Derek Yarbrough and production by Abram Schmucker, who mixes all of our terrible audio. If you like the show, please rate us and review us on iTunes and come and find us in the pits at a grid live to say hello. (laughs) 